Hey, Bridgeway, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. We've got a two-week series that you should be really excited about, the church that shares, cares, and dares. You know, our theme for the year is stay in focus. Focus stands for followers of Christ united in the spirit. We just finished a series on what it means to follow Christ by following other people. But being united in the spirit, what kind of church do you want to be united with? What do you want your church to be? What do you want your church to do? I'm not talking about like the operations of the church. I mean, our heart. I want us to be a church, and I know we are, that shares, a church that cares, and yes, a church that dares. Let me dare you to sign the Gracism Creed if you haven't done it already. Go to embracegracism.com, read the creed, and dare to join us in standing up for racial healing. Well, listen, we have our clergy here today. Some of you may remember in the summer, we had a clergy series where we pulled our clergy together. We let them speak maybe for about seven minutes, and then we hosted a conversation around what they talked about. A few of our clergy are missing. We had some scheduling uh, you know, differences, but we're glad to have the ones that are here. But there's one that's no longer gonna be a part of our clergy team I wanna tell you about, and that's Minister Nikki Lerner, who's no longer gonna be a minister, Nikki Lerner, although she's ministering all over the world. The reason is nothing bad, it's that it's something good. She's felt called to go do Nikki Lerner music. And so as she's lifted off and done that, her music, her consulting, her coaching is going so well that there's going to be a lot of conflicts for her. And she didn't want to just keep missing stuff. She loves you. She still wants to bless you. She's still a partner at Bridgeway Community Church. Her husband's still on staff as well. So Nikki, good work. Keep doing it. We are when beneath your wings. Uh, a couple other folk that are not with us is only because of scheduling, but uh, Pastor David Heiliger, Pastor uh, Scott Garber, they're out, Pastor Dan Taylor, but they are great uh, pastors here at Bridgeway Community Church. But let me tell you a great pastor that we have that's going to talk to us about sharing, a church that shares. And that is one of our new pastors in this year of 2020. It's Pastor Sandy Pope. So can we give a hand to Pastor Sandy Pope and let me say a prayer? Uh, for you, Sandy, and for our time together. And this week and next week, you'll hear from different clergy. Sandy's going to speak first. And then after Sandy, I'm going to host a conversation or somebody's going to host a conversation about what Sandy shares with us. And then I'll come back and tell you who our next speaker is going to be. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, we pray that your word would go into us. Use uh, Pastor Sandy and our other clergy to teach us today to be the kind of church that shares, cares, and dares in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Pastor amen. Sandy. Amen. Thank you so much. Hello, everybody. Hey there. It's so good to see you all. You know, one of the most popular sayings about evangelism comes from the Franciscan friar Francis of Assisi, and he says, preach the gospel always and use words if necessary. So I want to share a secret with you about that quote. Can you come a little bit closer? Because I want you to hear me. He didn't say it. He never said it. It's a quote that is totally misattributed to him. Really, no one knows where it came from, but it's the antithesis of his life because guess what he was always doing? Preaching the gospel in very creative ways. But you know, Christ's command 
to preach the gospel is really what we should adhere to. And of course we know what the Great Commission says in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, when it tells us to make disciples and to baptize and to teach all of the things that Jesus commanded, right? Mm -hmm. Sound good? Mm -hmm. Well, to some, this Great Commission has become the Great Omission. Or maybe for you, it's become the great suggestion. Mm. But clearly, very clearly, quite clearly, it's a command given to all who have trusted, to G- trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior to go throughout the world and to make disciples. And of course, part of that disciple-making process is sharing the message of the gospel, which we call evangelism. And evangelism simply means spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, I want to share a little story with you. And hearing a teaching on the Great Commission when I was a relatively new believer, this was back in 1998, I attended a missions conference where the speaker talked about unreached villages in the Ashanti region of Ghana, West Africa. And in these remote regions of the Ashanti region of Ghana, West Africa, people had either scarcely heard the gospel or they never heard the gospel. And I'm hearing this speaker talk very passionately about doing things to reach these people. And all I could think of is we got to charter a plane and board it and go to these people tonight. But, you know, I talked to the speaker afterwards. And while he was very admirable of my zeal as a young believer, he said, your method would be quite disastrous. And he told me why. He said that Christians who share their faith do it in clear and compelling ways. And they have a plan for doing that. So he told me five things and I wanna share it with you. So the first one, there is a burden that people who wanna share their faith have for the lost, either in specific regions in the world or people in their lives. You know, the apostle Paul had such a burden for the lost. He says this in Romans 10.1. He says this of his fellow Israelites. He says, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. It's a beautiful chapter. Paul talks about the rejection of the gospel in that chapter. So the second thing he said was that there has to be compelling preparation learning about the people who will be ministered to, how they live, what they believe, and then learning effective methods in sharing the gospel. Did you know that God sent evangelists to the church specifically so that uh, uh, congregations could learn how to share the gospel? Um, it says this in Ephesians uh, 11 through 13, 4, 11 through 13, and here's what it says. So God himself gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature and attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So evangelism isn't just knowing what to say, it's knowing what the gospel means in a meaningful way and sharing that information of how God saved your soul and how he transformed your life. So here's the third thing, building relationships in a compelling way. So working with the nationals in Ghana, uh, this, this, uh, 
missionary leader was able to do that, but we can also build relationships with people in our lives in compelling ways, getting to know them, finding out what their interests are, finding out what their needs are, how we might help them. Number four, reliance on the Holy Spirit, which is very compelling. So the Holy Spirit in evangelism gives us boldness to graciously speak the message of the gospel and to, uh, to, to, to and he also prepares the hearts of the person who is listening. Right. Here's what 1 Corinthians uh, 2, uh, 4 through 5, it says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is persistence and prayer, praying for a one through four. So you might say, well, Sandy, I'm familiar with a few of these, I'm familiar with maybe all of these, or maybe I'm familiar with none of them. But I wanna encourage you to let you know that God has a plan for you sharing the gospel. And you might say, Pastor Sandy, I don't know. I don't know about that. Evangelism is too hard. Well, perhaps through our services and the music that people hear, Mm -hmm. they'll hear the gospel that way. And maybe I don't have to say much of anything. Well, consider this, maybe God wants to use you in addition to what happens in the Sunday service. Maybe you might say, Sandy, well, can't I just be kind and compassionate to people? Yeah, that's always a good thing, right? Being kind and compassionate, that's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit that we talked about over the summer. And being kind and compassionate is wonderful. And it often opens the door for us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone. But evangelism is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a verbally articulated message. Um, our, Our kindness and compassion is important, but words are necessary. So why is evangelism so hard? I'm just gonna name a couple of these. Many believers uh, don't have confidence. That's easy to fix. Just come to a Learn to Share Your Faith seminar the next time we offer it. Some people fear rejection of the gospel, but Jesus told us in John chapter 15 that we would face rejection. He said that we should not be surprised that the world hates us or rejects us because it hated him first. So there might be rejection, but there could be acceptance, right? The politicizing of the word evangelism has really thrown things out of, out of a loop. Evangelism, again, is not a political party. It's not elephants. It's not donkeys. It's sharing the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's why some people might find evangelism hard. So because evangelism might seem hard, it doesn't mean that you have an excuse from not sharing the gospel. You have to remember this. The hardest part of the gospel of Jesus Christ was already done for you when Jesus laid down his life to pay the punishment for your sins. And in closing, I'll say this. You don't have to witness like Dr. David Anderson. You don't have to witness like Pastor Sandy Pope or Billy Graham. I found that when the Holy Spirit sets up the evangelistic encounter, he gives you peace regardless of what the outcome is going to be. You might say, what if I try it and it fails? Well, what if you try it and it succeeds? Evangelism is hard, but it's worth it.
Do you know why? Because to Jesus, you were worth it. Mm. Amen. amen and amen. Thank you, Pastor Thank you. Sandy. That was that was wonderful. A church that shares. You know, I'm going to ask Sandy uh, to answer some questions oh. from the clergy and let's just have some conversation for a few minutes around it. And I'm going to ask Pastor Jared if he would be the one to host our conversation for a few minutes. So, Pastor Jared, would you uh, host our dialogue, sir? Sure. Yeah, I was wondering, as Pastor Sandy was speaking, if you all would agree with me that there's kind of myth out there that it's easier for pastors and ministers to, to share the gospel. And I've had many people say, oh, it's easy for you. It's a pastor, right? And so I'm wondering what challenges that you each face and that if the congregation couldn't be encouraged that you face some of the challenges to sharing the gospel that, that they might face as well. So does anyone face challenges when they think about sharing the gospel with their friends? Yeah, I, I can answer that. Um, I think for, for me, the hardest people to share it with are people that I know, sometimes family members. And I think it could be because we know them so well that we've already decided how they're going to respond. It's kind of like what you were saying, Pastor Sandy, mm -hmm. about, you know, what if it doesn't go well? You've already decided in your mind, you've played it out. And you're like, this is not going to be good. And so that makes it hard to step out in faith and actually be open to the idea that God is moving and working and speaking through you. Don't answer for them, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> or maybe they know you so well, too. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, what Tracy said, though, is synonymous with Jesus's experience. Some of the most difficult experience he had witnessing were to his fellow Jews and even to people in his family. Right. Um, so uh, that that is something I think that many of us experience. Yeah. Uh, being patient on, and waiting on the Holy Spirit to move in the person's heart. Uh, and people that I share with in my neighborhood and uh, they don't come right away or they don't no change. So realizing that I am just the one who carries the good news, but the Holy Spirit, who's the one who brings change mm -hmm. in the heart of the people to be patient and let the Holy Spirit do his work. So patience. Absolutely. And you're right. You're only the messenger, right? You're only the messenger of the gospel. You were only sent by God to share the, the good news of, of what that means. Um, there, there was one thing that I did want to say. Um, a lot of people ask, how do you, um, what do you say? How do you share the gospel? Do you just say boom, 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 and then get somebody to pray? And, um, I find that it's, it's never that way for me. It's always different every single time. And then as I read through the scriptures, I notice that it's the same way with Jesus. Jesus talking to the woman at the well, Jesus talking to the men on the road to Emmaus, Jesus having a conversation with, with Nicodemus, um, Jesus talking to Zacchaeus, all of these come, or the rich young ruler, there's so many encounters that Jesus had with people where he didn't have a script where he was saying, you know, but say this, say this, say this, and then there was a prayer. Um, but he got right to the heart of the matter, but he was also very intimate with the details about what it meant to have a personal relationship with him. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the best kind of evangelism. Scripts aren't bad, but um, it, it's good to just be intimate so that you use your natural personality with what the word says about what grace means, what repentance means, what sin means. Um, and, and I think that goes a, a long way because then it's more personal. Mm -hmm. um, I, I know for all the introverts in the world, 
What's up, holla back? Um, I, 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 uh, I know that it is not just to share the gospel, but to share anything with any stranger might be very difficult for you. And I know, like, and I, I wanted to ask, even with Pastor Sandy, if someone would say, you know what, um, yes, the gospel, but it is hard for me to share my phone number or f- to share anything with anybody because it's hard for me to have that interaction. That's just a part of my personality. Um, I, I will say, I love what you said about relationship because it starts with relationship. But what would you say to the person that's saying, okay, I'm an introvert. This is really hard for me to step out and do that. You know, I think introverts make the best evangelists. You know why? Because they listen better. They're not trying to do all the talking. Um, and, and, and really those terms, um, introvert and extrovert, you know, those are, those are kind of man-made terms. Um, but I truly think that God can use anyone who is willing to be used. And I think even extroverts have to, have to come out of their comfort zone, right? To say, Lord, help me to listen when I share. Help me to listen to the Holy Spirit as I share and not do all of, talk, all of the talking. So maybe an introvert has to pray for that boldness for God to give them the words to say and know that God is with them. One of the things that Jesus said in the Great Commission is that I am with you always, mm-hmm. even until the very end of the world. So if you're an introvert, you know, that, that's... Um, that just means you have a different maybe type of personality when it comes to sharing your faith. Um, and I think it's done in a very beautiful way where there's lots of listening as well as dialogue. Pastor Sandy, thank you so much for you. Uh, teaching us how we can be a sharing church. And we learned that you have to share the gospel. You go ahead and take your seat. I'm going to call one more person up. You have to share the gospel uh, by sharing the love of Jesus Christ. It may be a good point right here to ask you, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Has someone shared it with you? Maybe this is the first time you've heard it or maybe you've heard it many times, but you've never paused your life enough to say, Lord, I hear you. So do you hear that Jesus loves you? The Bible says he does, that he loves you so much that God sent his son Jesus to come and offer you eternal life. He'll forgive you for all your sins and he'll begin a brand new relationship with you. And the Bible calls that being born again when you give your life over to Jesus Christ and you become spiritually born. Christianity is not about just following different rules. It's actually about coming alive because spiritually you might be dead. In fact, you are dead if you don't have Christ inside of you. But Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. He can give you new life today and it begins right now. So before I call our next speaker, how about we just pause for a word of prayer and ask Jesus to come into your life, wherever you are, whoever you are. Jesus accepts you already. Jesus loves you already. There's nothing you have to do except receive his love. If you'd like to do that right now, then say, dear Jesus, I receive your love. Dear Jesus, thank you for accepting me. Dear Jesus, I'm so sorry for my sins. I don't want to be separated from you anymore. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to the earth and for bringing new life even for dying on a cross for me and rising again from the dead. Jesus, I don't know what all that means, but I do know this. I wanna have eternal life with you, eternal life with God, and I don't wanna depend on myself anymore. So by faith, I invite you to be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer to receive Christ, let us know. Uh, just send a send a note over to us via text. I think you put in the words, fill me, F-I-L-L-M-E. And uh, you send that to 97,000 and we'll follow up with you. Speaking about following up, who's gonna follow up on Pastor Sandy's message about sharing? Well, if we're gonna be a church that shares, we have to share not only, Ronald, in our relationships, not only with our family members, Tracy, uh, but, you know, the scripture tells us that we have to share not only in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, but to the uttermost parts of the world. In other words, part of sharing is not just relational evangelism, but it's missions. Well, who could talk to us about missions and sharing around the world? I think it's Pastor Jared. You know, the facilitation was fine. He had a comment, but I really need to hear from you, Pastor Jared. So come on and talk to us about being a sharing church. Well, it's uh, exciting to share with you today. And I have a great story that pairs well with Sandy's. It, it's amazing how God leads. And it's a story of a woman that Jesus meets at the well, a Samaritan woman, a woman uh, from a different culture where Jesus almost as a missionary crosses a culture to reach out to this woman. So I just wanna read through the story and you can read along in John four with me if you want to, and just point out some things that I notice about Jesus, um, not only how he shares, but how he crosses cultures while he's sharing as well. Uh, so I'm gonna start reading in John chapter four, verse four. It says, now he, talking about Jesus, had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. That phrase right at the beginning of that verse four said he had to go through Samaria always intrigued me. Uh, because if you know anything about that day or that time, the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get along at all. And we don't need to know, draw that just from history. It's gonna say that in the passage in just a little bit. They just didn't get along together. They didn't like each other to the extent that Jews would walk all the way around to Samaria to get to where they're going. They'd avoid it altogether. So to say that Jesus had to doesn't make a lot of sense because the highway would have gone around Samaria. The off-road path would have gone through it. And that's the path that Jesus chose, the path that was less traveled. And I think it's because we see this pattern in Jesus' life of his dependence on the Holy Spirit and time with the Father. And I think that's what led him. That's what caused him. His desire to reach out to bridge this culture caused him to have to go through Samaria. Continuing in verse six, it says, Jacob's well was there and Jesus was tired from the journey. He sat down at the well at about noon. I love the humanity of Jesus we see here. Jesus was tired, so he wanted to rest. He needed a drink, he was thirsty, yeah. just like anyone else that would go to the well. And we see the Samaritan woman come along with the same needs that Jesus had. She was thirsty as well. It says this in verse seven, when the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So Jesus is asking for something that they all have in common, a drink. We need air to breathe. We need food to drink or food to eat. We need water to drink. And so he asked this woman for this very common human need. And she immediately goes to what divides them. She says, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. We, you're a man, I'm, I'm a woman. We don't, we don't do this. We don't have this kind of relationship where you ask me for water and I give it to you. We're, we're divided in this way. But Jesus answers her. 
if you knew the gift of God, who it is that, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus moves to another need that they have in common. And this time it's a spiritual need. It's a need that we all have as well. We have a God-shaped void in our life that if someone didn't share the gospel, as Pastor Sandy was saying, with us, and we didn't receive Christ into our lives, we would have that same need. And we all have that same spiritual need. And so Jesus brings this up that, you know what? There's not just a physical need that we have in common. There's a spiritual need as well. And so Jesus is kind of working on these two levels, the human level and the spiritual level. And of course, us as humans, I, I can see the woman at the well continue to operate on that human level. She says, sir, you have nothing to draw the water with. I mean, how, how are you going to get water? You don't have anything to dip into the well with. And where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father, Jacob? She goes back to something else that divides them. You see, to a Jew, the Samaritans claiming Jacob as a father would have been insulting. It's, it's true, but it would have been insulting nonetheless. There, there, there is some shared fatherhood there. And that's what she points to. Are you greater than our father, Jacob, claiming Jacob as their father, who gave you this well and drank from it and did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring welling up of eternal life. And of course, the woman still relating to the very physical, human, natural level says, I'd love water like that, right? I don't have to come to this well anymore. I can sit in my home and drink this water and never be thirsty again. And so the woman says, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here. And so she, once again, is looking for this very physical, very real solution. And then Jesus kind of illuminates her with this question, go call your husband and come back. And of course, the woman has, doesn't have one husband. She has multiple husbands and the man she's living with now is not her husband. And she realizes Jesus has an insight into her life and he's not just another man. It's not just another human that she's talking to. And so the I'm going to skip down a little bit for sake of time to verse 21. Uh, and Jesus says, woman, Jesus replied, a time is coming. And so after she's been illuminated to what, who this man is, who Jesus is, I'm sorry, I'm going to go to verse 19. After she's been illuminated to who Jesus is, she says this, sir, I can see you are a prophet. Our ancestors worship on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place we must worship is in Jerusalem. And so she realizes Jesus is a prophet. She realizes he's not your average man, but she still says, we're divided about where we need to worship. You say Jerusalem, we say right here on this mountain. And Jesus replies to her, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth for they are the kind of worshiper the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. So she's concerned about where they will worship because there's two different locations. And Jesus is more concerned about who she should worship. And so instead of saying, you know what, we're divided by places, he's saying, I'm right in front of you. The time has now come and I am here. And so Jesus is sharing who he is. But I think as believers, as we look at him, he's also sharing this unifying aspect where he's constantly drawing her back to the thing that unifies them, whether it's their humanity, whether it's their spiritual need, or whether it's who they worship. 
Jesus is continually drawing back. And so my challenge to you is to, to share like Jesus, build bridges across cultures that use things that we have in common to unite people. Mm. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jared. We appreciate that word from, uh, from John chapter four. You know that we have several ministries and missions across the world where people are actually doing what you just taught yeah. about. Can you share with our congregation in case they don't know some of the work we are doing to, to cross into other cultures sure. to share the good news and the love of Christ? Sure. Yeah, we've got uh, many missionaries. I think there's uh, like 11 different missionaries that we support around the world. And in places like uh, Mexico, in uh, places like, there's a few places I can't name that keep coming to mind because they're endangered for sharing the gospel. And we don't know how good we have it, but there's several Asian countries where we have missionaries where they can't openly express uh, their faith without risk of persecution. Just, we have missionaries in places like Jordan, uh, in, in South America and places like Peru as well, where we have these mission partnerships. And so our, we wanna support those missionaries, but my challenge to everyone at home is that we're all missionaries. Mm -hmm. Whether it's across the world or across the street, God's calling us to build bridges and to share his gospel wherever we go. Uh, and whether it's uh, to establish churches, to care for the poor that is so near to, to God's heart, there's a missionary call on every one of us. Hmm. And uh, before I turn to the clergy, um, the old style of missionary uh, ministry was someone's called to a place far away. They're supported by many churches financially mm -hmm. and through prayer. And then they go live their life doing that wonderful ministry. Yeah. Now in the century we're in, it's 2020, uh, there's so much of the world that has paid the fare to get here. Mm -hmm. So when you say that we're all missionaries, how does that connect with regard to the different cultures that are right around us, in, in your opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, I think God calls us to our neighbors. Uh, you know, you look at the story of the Good Samaritan, and I think the point of the story is everyone's our neighbor. There's no limit to who our neighbor is. It's not just literally the person that's living next to you. And if you're living in the community that, that we do in the Baltimore, Washington area, odds are, you know, many of these communities are diverse. And so you've got people very different from you living right next door. And so to minister to some of our neighbors, there's bridges that need to be built. Um, but you're right, missions has changed so much. And it's uh, funny to see how missionaries are now coming to the United States. Korea actually sends more missionaries to the United States. And I think there's another country in the world now that sends more missionaries and they're coming to the United States to evangelize. Um, wow. And I think it's a, it's a great thing because there needs to be these partnerships where we're working together to impact the world. It's no longer I'm going to you, it's what can we do together to impact our world? So I think that applies wow. in our community. What can we do together to impact our community? Wow, thank you so much. Any thoughts uh, from our clergy or questions for Pastor Jared? Graham? Pastor I'll Jared? I'll share one. Uh, Pastor Jared, I know you're familiar with Dr. Dan Spader's book, The Everyday Commission. Yeah. And I'm intrigued at the fact that I, I like what you shared about, you know, we're all to be missionaries and we start in our own Jerusalem, our own mm -hmm. networks, mm -hmm. as he measured the maturity of a Christian, someone doing short term cross-cultural ministry was like a, an M3 or an M4, mm -hmm. but a higher level of maturity was having a strategic redemptive presence in your own community. Yeah. Maybe it's prayer walks in your neighborhood, uh, leveraging and leaning into those relationships that you have. So. Yeah. I take it that's what you're encouraging our people to do. Yeah, I've heard it put this way recently, neighboring well, being, being a good neighbor, but it's not, 
as Pastor Sandy shared, it's not just about being that presence. It's also about praying for opportunities and then opening your mouth as well. Mm. So, yeah. Neighboring well. Thank you so much, Pastor Jared. We appreciate you reminding us uh, that if we're going to be a sharing church, we have to be the kind of church that neighbors well. And Pastor Sandy taught us how we're supposed to open our mouth and share that. So I guess if we neighbor well, if we speak well, if we pray well, maybe God will do something at the well of our life, just like the woman at the Samaritan in, in Samaria. And by the way, maybe you're like her. You know, Pastor Jared mentioned she had uh, five husbands, meaning not at the same time, <laughs> but she had five husbands, one at a time. And then the man she was with, well, Jesus didn't judge her. He loved her. Now, I don't know what your life is like. I mean, maybe it was as screwed up as hers. Uh, maybe you're a drunk, an addict. Maybe you're into porn. Maybe you don't pay taxes when you know you should, whatever it is. God doesn't judge you. He loves you. He accepts you. See, the beautiful part of that story is that he actually accepted her. She just needed to know that, that he was real. Well, Jesus is real. And he sticks out his, his arms and his hands to you and his heart to you. And he says, come on, I got water you can drink. It'll wash you clean and it will never, a well that will never run dry. Well, I'm going to say a prayer right now. And, you know, I've prayed before. I'm going to pray every single time I have an opportunity to give you an opportunity to trust Christ because he loves you so much. He doesn't want you to just click off without first turning your heart over to him. So let's pray. Lord, as we've heard these words about sharing, Lord, might we be the kind of church, not just from the stage and not just from the clergy, but every man, woman, boy and girl, every teenager, every young adult, everyone under the sound of our voice, would you turn them into your evangelists, into your missionaries? Might they share Christ over Zoom? Might they share Christ over text? Might they share words and messages and devotionals? Lord, turn up the heat of evangelism in our church and in our lives. And for those that don't know you in the pardon of their sins right now, just pray. Say, dear Jesus, come into my life. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.